Welcome to the Fortune Management Practice Mastery Podcast. Each episode, we bring you powerful conversations with thought leaders in the dental, veterinary, optometry, and medical industries. At Fortune Management, we coach doctors and teams to have an extraordinary practice and an extraordinary life. Ben Bush is a partner and financial advisor with Sequoia Private Client Group. He works with several Fortune Management clients across the country. In this episode, Ben shares a wealth of information from handling your debt to the ever-changing landscape of the dental industry. And now, enjoy my conversation with Ben. Ben Bush, welcome to the show. Thank you, Kim. It's so nice to be here. I've been looking forward to this for a long time. Awesome. It's great to have you on. I'm super excited for our listeners to get to know a little bit more about you and your company, Sequoia Private Client Group, and what you guys do for our clients. I know you've been a great partner of Fortune Management's for several years, working with several of our doctors, and I know they see a ton of value. So hoping to let the rest of the world know about what you guys do. That sounds excellent. Awesome. Awesome. Well, first, I want to know, what are you seeing? What are you and your colleagues over at Sequoia Private Client Group? What are you guys seeing happening in healthcare in general or specifically in dental? How is the industry changing? Yeah, it's a great question. And and we've seen uh, some pretty rapid changes going back almost a decade now that I think began mostly in healthcare uh, with the economies of scale, large hospital systems, certainly in these major market areas, New York, San Francisco, LA, Atlanta, where you started to see private practice groups getting acquired by the larger hospital systems uh, in order to control some costs. Slowly, you're starting to see that happen, and actually much more rapidly today, on the dental the advent of the MSOs, the DSOs, the service organizations who are have identified the opportunity in private practice dentistry to group large amounts of practices under one umbrella for many reasons, but mostly because you're able to drop a little bit more to the bottom line. And we see that as somewhat of a headwind to the current practitioner, the standalone general practitioner, the standalone specialist. You're starting to see a tectonic shift in the marketplace there, similar but different to medicine, but it's certainly happening. Absolutely. So what are your advice to those doctors and dentists out there who are wanting to not get eaten up maybe by a DSO? What are you seeing? What are you saying to them? Yeah, it's a great question. And and from our perspective, I think there's always going to be an appetite in the marketplace for that still private practice feel uh, to still have one dentist and, and still feel like you're not getting a big box mm-hmm. dentistry or healthcare solution. That said, we are rapidly overseeing uh, shifting from that single office, single practitioner dentist to more of the one-stop multi-specialty operations. You're starting to see those shifts happen and also some good partnerships between specialties or having our itinerant specialists come into an office because I think with the technology uh, advance and, and the communication advances that people are starting to identify that that's something that they want that is accessible and available to them. And if they can get that same type of high quality healthcare, if they can get the same type of service, but still be able to go to one place and have all of their care under one roof, uh, that's attractive to the consumer. And I can tell you from a practitioner standpoint and a financial standpoint, it is very attractive to our practitioner and our owner clients because they're starting to drive all that overhead through their practice as opposed to sending everything out. 
Exactly. Yeah, we are really seeing a lot of that with all of our clients across the country in Fortune. And they're starting to partner and consolidate. And again, like you're saying, have multiple specialties under one roof. Um, I have several clients that are in process of doing that right now. And it's, it's a lot of fun. They've got to have that entrepreneurial spirit, I think, in their blood. But I think they can do it. So um, we're kind of talking to the maybe the younger doctor or the mid-career doctor um, as far as what this podcast is really focused on. So um, what do you see as some of the challenges facing those younger doctors or mid-career doctors? Yeah, so that's the space that I, I live in most often and I'm very passionate about. It. I love it because I've now had a decade under my belt of working with either residents or associates that are now transitioning and have been practice owners for several years. And I've seen these changes not only in the marketplace, but also in their lives. Uh, some significant challenges that exist today may not have existed for the prior generation. I would say for one, most of our young practicing dentists are coming out with significant debt that they don't know how to manage. There has been a, I think, a decrease in the amount of practices available. Uh, for example, uh, the baby boomer generation that is supposed to be retiring and transferring, we have not seen the flow of practices transferring that we thought we might, I think in large part because of the economy back in 2008 and 2009. But there's been a logjam in practice transitions creating a seller's market. So we're seeing at least from my uh, mm-hmm. perspective, more startups. We're seeing a lot of startups, which is a, a risky endeavor for a young practitioner strapped with two hundred, three hundred, four hundred $400,000 in debt and more already. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think those challenges are, are there and I think they're being overcome. Uh, they're not they're not scary for me, I think in large part because it's not my money. And so it's easy for me to say, <laughs> but it's sure. also... Um, Having that decade under our belt, we are seeing the success is still there that that we're seeing very, very, very low if any failure. Um, it's just a different marketplace than it was even 20 years ago. Right. Exactly. Exactly. You know, Ben, you mentioned debt and so many of our young doctors and associates coming out of dental school, obviously, and who work with us or, or like you said, starting up practices or who are taking a minority share partnership with their seasoned doctor that they've joined. How are you talking to people about debt? It's such a um, challenging subject for some of them. So how are you you advising people on that? So I would say when I speak to a young dentist, almost anywhere that they are earlier in their career, when they come in to talk to us, it is the number one topic on their mind, whether I'm meeting them in residency before they're earning uh, real money as they transition out to an associate, and certainly when they buy a practice, it is the elephant in the room. It's the gorilla on their back. It's something that they want to address right away, and it almost takes an emotional pull to bad decision-making. One thing I want to start by saying is spending down debt is never a bad decision. We never are against spending down debt, but what we like to do is really go deep on if I have a dollar to spend, where should it go to get the best outcome? What traditionally happens is people look at these things in a vacuum and say, well, if my debt has a 6% interest rate, and I can only earn 1% in the bank, then mathematically it makes sense to take every extra dollar I have and put it into the bank. Mm -hmm. But if we're really exploring this from a, let's use a young dentist standpoint and broaden that scope to say, okay, what can my money do for me? It's not just about what vehicle might be able to outpace the interest rate, but it's where do you see yourself in five years? And if the answer is being a practice owner, then we got to look at what are the steps that I need to take between now and then to get that practice? Mm, Part of that is having okay. capital in the bank. Right. Certainly. Yeah. Now, 
when we look at that and say, okay, well, what would that practice do for you? Even a startup that has no initial revenue, my contention or our experience has shown that by positioning yourself to be able to get into that practice, be a business owner, uh, create top above the line revenues and below the line revenues, that is something that can outpace student loan debt. And so it's not one or the other. Usually it's both. Usually it's you should be putting money towards some type of savings vehicle, some types of liquidity vehicle that will allow you to get into that practice while also addressing the debt. When you address the debt, there's a lot of programs out there now that give you the capability to either refinance that debt completely. Mm -hmm. So around the country, you've got groups like SoFi or Citizens Bank. DRB is big in dentistry. There are also local banks uh, here on the East Coast. We have a, a bank called First Republic that's been very successful. They're popping up everywhere because of the attractive nature of that debt. Um, so complete refinance, or certainly in the federal programs with the income-based repayment or now pay-as-you-earn programs, which allows you to make payments to those while freeing up cash flow so you can save and accomplish those shorter-term goals that will increase your revenue, increase your income, and allow you to really attack that debt if necessary once you've gotten to that next level of your career. So it sounds, Ben, like you really have to have a strategy that's unique to what your goals are. That's why working with somebody like you is helpful because I think so many of them don't know what to do and they get different advice. But it really sounds like it's, it's about their goals, their future goals. Yeah, there's never a one-size-fits-all answer. Right. I've never met, met two people with the same situation. And I would say money is almost never about math. It's about emotion and understanding. And so when we do meet with clients, you know, I would, again, never tell somebody, hey, you should not spend down that debt. Uh, but what we want to do is just display the different solutions. We want them to see them in the broader context, in their overall macroeconomic scenario to say, here's outcome A, here's outcome B, uh, possibly here's outcome C. And with the understanding of how those different things can play out, that they can make a better and a more educated decision than just looking at either interest rates or, you know, monthly payments that I think is driving a lot of those decisions and really delaying people getting into practices and increasing their income and doing the things that would be better long-term for them. I see. Okay, good, good. So now that they've figured out their debt (laughs) situation, what they're going to do with their student loans, and they're out there making some money now, where, and they've got some extra income, obviously we want them to be starting a retirement fund as, and where else could they be putting their money essentially? Yeah. So I'm going to, I'm going to steal something that uh, my mentor and partner, Mark Murphy has said uh, probably more than he should over the years, <laughs> which is our, our firm belief is that if you have a single dollar and you can invest it well into yourself or your business, that's probably where it should go. Meaning all of the financial vehicles that are available to people, stocks, bonds, 401ks, 403bs, IRAs, money markets, CDs, blah, 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 blah. Our clients have some or all of those things and will for the rest of their life. But at best, those are inflation-adjusted holding tanks for money. Mm-hmm. So I think when income is coming in and we've established that we've, we've created a space where we have additional monies, if we're utilizing some of the tax benefits in retirement accounts and we're looking for other places to invest money, First, I think we should say, is there a wise place that we can invest in our business to help that grow and gain revenues? Mm-hmm. Is there another piece possibly owning the real estate of that, that business that may require some capital outlay? Uh, and then beyond that, what we want to look at is how do we position ourselves to make those investments down the road if they're not uh, effective today? So what we want to look at are places that maybe we can create some liquidity, the access to capital. I think predictability is important as well for mm-hmm. an entrepreneur. Sure. Yep. You know, 
knowing that that capital will be there when you want there, I think sometimes is a little more important than just seeking that absolute highest risk rate of return. Uh, because one of the things we are firm believers in is the asymmetric risk return in owning a practice and in investing in your business in investing in real estate and access to capital or utilization of capital, I think is always paramount. So we always want to explore the different vehicles available, but similar to the student loan conversation, this is going to be unique. It's going to be tailored to that individual and what their plans are. And I think it may be a little different than the status quo because the status quo is often sort of drive the highest rate of return based on risk and hope it works out. And I don't think that's created the best results for sure. uh, many people around the country. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So how do they know if they're saving enough money? Another great question. <laughs> and I think this is the key component to any long-term successful strategy. Uh, my feeling is that if the house is protected and we know that you can carry on through your career and your personal finances, knowing that Uh, any major life event may not take it down. The next step is really focusing on owning your cash flow. I would say to anybody, if you own your cash flow long-term, if you're putting enough money away, not only for retirement, forget about retirement. I don't even like that word. But if you're putting enough money away for your future self, for your future opportunities and your future challenges, that your success rate goes up exponentially. And so we we can put a number on that. Um, Different advisors, different places put different numbers. But I think for us, the target number is 15% at a minimum. But we like to see our clients putting away 20% of their pre-tax, their gross income okay. into some type of vehicle that could benefit them in the future. And it doesn't have to be, like I said, at age 65, now I have this sum of money. It can be to create alternative streams of income. It can be to invest in their business. But a core, a core belief of ours is you need to be creating two different sort of buckets of money, paychecks and playchecks. You need to be putting away money. So the day that you walk away from clinical dentistry or uh, your entrepreneur activities, or whenever you stop trading your time for dollars, that you have two significant buckets of money. One is to make sure that the, the, the lights are on, the bills are paid, the healthcare is covered. Those are your paychecks. That's the paychecks. And those need to last. Mm-hmm. That's right. Mm-hmm. And they need to last for the rest of your life. If you live to 110, 114 years old, 117, like this woman in Italy last year, <laughs> yep. th- that money never stops. The playchecks are exactly what we, what we perceive them to be. That's your travel money. That's your fun money. That's your golden years. Those are the things that you want to go out and do. And maybe the things you could take a little bit more risk with and, and have some fun with. But as we're saving that money, I would say that if you're able to put away 20% of your gross income every year, you take a lot of the stress off of your assets to perform and create those two different streams. Right. And I think you create more capital for yourself that when opportunities arise, you can act in that quickly. Awesome. I love it. I love the paychecks and playchecks concept. That's, that's terrific. I'd love to tell you it was mine, but uh, <laughs> I, I definitely stole it from somebody else. Yeah, absolutely. Who probably stole it from somebody else. That's okay. So let's talk a little bit, Ben. I know one of the things that you are very, very knowledgeable is insurance. So, you know, talking to a young doctor or even a mid-career doctor, what kind of insurance do they need to have in your perspective? Yeah. Uh, Another question that comes up a lot, and you heard me talk about protecting the house earlier. Um, While it's not a conversation I think any of us really love to have, um, which is (laughs) getting sick or possibly dying, I think it's a good early conversation to have. Let's, again, just tie this into a young, entrepreneurial-minded dentist. Uh, somebody who's going to go out and buy or start up a practice and possibly multiple. The idea with that is, A, 
there is no greater, uh, greater asset that you own, greater uh, possible outcome uh, for finance than your ability to go out there and make money and buy practices and do things. So the idea for me is if I have a 15 or $20 million or more earnings potential, not protecting that seems crazy to me. So in this case, we're talking about disability insurance, which can be placed through many different avenues. And I think most young dentists get this now. I think they do understand because of the dexterity that's required, because of the physical requirements of their job, and because the, um, the percentage of dentists that have had issues, uh, certainly later career, that have put them out, I don't think that you know, there's a huge push or a lack of understanding that that's important. I think we see a lot of young dentists that do acquire that uh, either personally through a job or through the ADA. Now, right. you know, it may be another discussion on how those break down, but uh, getting that, I think, is extremely important. Disability, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, disability is important. I think secondary to that, we do get questions uh, on life insurance. A lot of our clients, when we meet them, are not married, they don't have kids, and it's sort of, you know, hey, should I get this? Should I not get this? I don't have a traditional, quote-unquote, traditional need for this. And our answer is, Understand that if you do want to go out and buy and purchase a practice, if you want to start up a practice, obtaining bank financing, they will require that. They will require you that you own that. And at that time, if your health is good, you can get it. You know, you are able to obtain it as long as your health is, is strong. Sure. But, but what we also see is that puts a delay in the process, right? So if you look at somebody who wants to go get a half a million dollar loan to start their practice, their credit's good. They've got all their documents. They've been saving money. They've got all the bank requirements. And the bank says, great, we just need a half a million dollars of life insurance, and then we're going to cut you the check. All of a sudden, we're two and a half months delayed because the insurance company has to sign off on the health. So we do talk about that uh, with young dentists, that with your, your young age and good health, and as inexpensive as it may be, sometimes it is good to go get a placeholder and just have that in your back pocket so when the day comes that you want to go purchase that practice or start up that practice, it's turnkey. You cut 30 to 60 days off that process and you start earning money a lot sooner. That's great advice because I have seen that stall different deals and even have deals go south because because they didn't have the right insurance in place, for sure. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and you know, unfortunately, sometimes health doesn't always behave and then it becomes a real deal breaker. We yeah. don't see that all the time, but realistically... Uh, the way it works is it's it's not a right to own. It is a privilege uh, in this country. And so if you know that in advance that you're going to want that at some point in time, I think we try to fold that into the overall strategy at a low cost, at least when you're young and start working. So again, that's not a roadblock down the road. And then if health stays great and we want to build and grow on that portfolio, certainly we can do that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So besides disability and life insurance, are you seeing anything else that these doctors need to need to acquire? Yeah, I, I, there's no secret. You can't practice without malpractice. Fortunately, sure. in dentistry, that's <laughs> not an issue, and it's uh, typically pretty inexpensive. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, when they go into practice, and I don't think a lot of them know this. Uh, this is something that's not taught. But you know, going out and understanding that you need to get content insurance and uh, um, business liability coverages and workman's comp, and all of those things will come. Now, there are great people in the marketplace, like my friend Jonathan Miller and a few others that that are able to walk these young dentist through that process and secure that. Um, That's nothing you really need to worry about until you get into practice. The other thing I would pay a lot of attention to, which is also not generally focused, is your personal liability protections. If you own a home or drive a car, you know, it's it's something that should be at least addressed and, and looked at because that's also a big risk on your balance sheet. You have a doctor in front of your name, you wear a white coat and go to work. 
Uh, if you happen to get in a car accident or somebody has a trip and fall at your house, it's good to know at least what you have and how it works. Right. Um, so it's, you know, nothing that we really spend a whole lot of time with. We just like to know that it's there and that it's, it's positioned correctly. Cause again, if something happens and my, my good friend, Neil deGrasse Tyson, who I've never met in my life, uh, <laughs> once tweeted out, uh, of all the millions of things that have a one in a million chance in your life of happening, one of them will, we just <laughs> right. don't know what it is. Exactly. Right? So mm -hmm. when that thing occurs, the one thing that I like to tell my clients is if anything does occur in your life that has a major financial impact, you're either going to be one of two camps. I'm really glad I did, or I really wish I would have. Sure. Mm -hmm. And we like to position our clients to say, Hey, I'm really glad I did. Um, so, you know, I think that's, those are basic things that to get started. And then certainly as career and finances and balance sheets grow, there are, there are some other considerations, but that's a good starting point. Excellent. Well, you and I share several clients. I know you're very passionate, Ben, about what you do. What's your, what's your favorite thing about working with, with doctors, with dentists and clients? <laughs> um, that's tough to pinpoint. I don't know. It's been such a great growing part of our practice, uh, certainly over the last decade. And I am never shy about telling anybody that I got into it because some of my best friends in the world were in dental school when I started my career in South Florida, and they still remain some of my closest friends. So I think in part, it's been able to go on that journey with them, yes. being able to be part of their life with a unique understanding. I think also what's great about dentistry is the opportunity for growth and the very, very low failure rate makes it a fun ride to be a part of. It's just fun to see people grow as business owners, as family members, as people in a profession that, that provides, that does great work, that provides excellent solutions and makes people happy. Um, but at the same time, it's just an excellent career uh, to be a part of. And also uh, to be very fair, it's synergistic because we provide something that is extremely necessary and absolutely absent in there anywhere from eight to 12 to, you know, as high as 15, 16 years. Once you get into the oral surgery, like th there's no education in what we do exactly. and everybody yeah. is thrust into it. Mm -hmm. um, and so it, it works very well. We pair very well as a team to provide some resources that I think are necessary and help them out while they go on that great journey. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's why we uh, see eye to eye on so much, Ben, because that is the most rewarding part of our work at Fortune is seeing our clients grow professionally and personally and, and have a great life. So, and with your partnership, that's been a really amazing part of watching them financially grow. So thank you so much for that. Um, you know, you've had so many, you've had many mentors in your career and, and read lots of books and, you know, what, what's some great professional, personal advice that you've received that's helped you in your journey? Uh, yeah, a lot. Wow. I've got, I've had some really exceptional mentors. Um, I, my partner, Mark, obviously being one, uh, Bernie Stoltz being another, and another gentleman I've worked with for a long time named Sam Beller, who is still passionately showing up to work at 82 years old, five days a week, <laughs> all year long. With all the advice that they've given me, uh, I, I honestly think that the best piece of advice that I receive is today's a new day, start it fresh, start your career and, and go out there and, you know, get, get things done in that day. Early in my career, it was always setting these long-term goals. What am I going to do this year? What am I going to do next year? Uh, even in this quarter. And then I learned very quickly that your, your goals have to be daily. You got to have a set of things that you want to get done every day. You got to set your mind to it. 
And you've got to make sure that that day doesn't end unless if those things get done, because that's how you stay productive. That's how you service your clients. That's how you make sure that you're staying on top of everything. It's, it's just focusing on literally the day-to-day activities that have to get done. And what that creates is the activity necessary to, uh, to build and, and support a long-term career in, in this industry. That's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's applicable for, for dentists. You know, we talk about their long-term yearly goals, but then of course we chunk it down by the day and then by the hour and who, what kind of impacts are you going to make on your team and your patients every single day? So it's, it's very aligned. Love it. Yeah, hundred percent. So Ben, what would you say to any of the listeners who kind of maybe don't know where to start? What, what could they put into action today that you'd recommend? I would say there's several things. One is get organized. I, I think the mm-hmm. very first step in in moving in the right direction is figuring out where you stand today. You know, it's it's really hard to move forward in any activity if you don't know where you're coming from. Uh, certainly in our in our space of personal and business financial management strategy, you got to know where you stand today to figure out where you want to go. So, being organized, understanding where where your dollars are today, where your dollars are going, and then get some clear direction on where you want to see your life go. Because there is no silver bullet. There's no one size fits all strategy. We talked to that at several points during the conversation is you have to have at least a direction to say, you know what, I want to be a practitioner that, you know, a single office uh, practitioner with uh, a lot of revenue or a lot of clients or a lot of uh, chairs or, or whatever it is going through that single office, or I'm, I'm really interested in having multiple offices. Uh, I'm really interested in getting into other types of business. I'm really interested in doing, um, uh, I'm passionate about charitable work or I'm passionate about, uh, uh, spiritual work or whatever it is. It's having a, a direction and then creating a strategy around that direction. And then, you know, it's sort of, you got to live the plan. Um, so I think just starts with organization. Okay, identify where you're, where you're having the challenges, uh, and then identify how to overcome those challenges, set some as exactly what you said, shorter three year to five year goals, and then break those down all the way to your weekly and daily activities to make that happen. Uh, from a finance side, uh, one of the things we tell our clients too, is we don't want this to be on your mind every day. My goal, if we're very successful is to create a strategy that's working in the background successfully. So you can go focus on the things that you do very well right? This isn't something that you should be waking up and thinking about. If you're waking up and thinking about it every day, that means we're probably not doing something quite right. Uh, But at the same token, we want to monitor and update because life changes rapidly. So, you know, we we say literally once a month, every now and then, let's just make sure we're on track. Let's make sure the money's going where it should. Let's make sure with your changing life that we're adjusting. But it all starts with getting organized, understanding where you are, and then creating the strategy around where you want to go. Excellent. Love it. So Ben, if somebody wanted to get in touch with you, how could they do that? Great. Yeah. So, uh, I would say easily my cell phone, which is my sidekick, uh, is the (laughs) easiest way to get in touch with me either through text, email, or just calling me anytime. Uh, my cell phone number is three, five, two, two, six, two, two, seven, nine, five. That is a Gainesville, Florida area code. Go Gators. (laughs) Um, I also have my office phone. That's 646-638-9856, located in Midtown Manhattan. And then my email, which I'm sure we'll distribute, is my first initial and last name, bbush at 
fhfg.com. Perfect. And I will put that on the show notes so people can get in touch with you. Um, but Ben, thank you so much for spending some time with us. I think you give some valuable information to our listeners about anywhere from debt to insurance to in investing in their own business. Love it. Thanks so much. Thank you, Kim. I appreciate your time. I look forward to talking to you again very soon. <laughs> Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Practice Mastery Podcast. For more information on Fortune Management and to find an event in your area, please visit fortunemgmt.com. Benjamin Bush is a registered representative and financial advisor of Park Avenue Securities, LLC, PAS, 200 Broad Hollow Road, Suite 405, Melville, New York, 11747, phone 631-589-5400. Securities products and advisory services offered through PAS, advisory services offered through PAS, member FINRASIPC, financial representative of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America. Guardian, New York, New York. PAS is an indirect, wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. Sequoia Private Client Group is not an affiliate or subsidiary of PAS or Guardian. Number 217-33738 expires 119.